you all so very, very much for calling and pledging. And a big thank you to today's food donors. They are La Cascada, Garia Cafe, Bake Shop, Healthy Baking Company, Rainbow Grocery Cooperative, Tiance, Numi Tea, Whole Foods, and Peaberry's Coffee and Tea. They're keeping our phone room volunteers fed and caffeinated. We're asking you to keep them busy by calling 510-848-5732, 1-800-439-5732. Pushing Limits will be back at its regular time next week. You are listening to KPFA, KPFB in Berkeley, and KFCF in Fresno. What does KPFA Radio give to you? Insight into global events, in Lebanon, info in about your local community, from San Francisco to enlightenment to through music and literature, America. education, connection, the war and peace report, I'm Amy Goodman. What can you give to KPFA in return? How about a few hours in the phone room? We could use your help today in the phone room, and you could become a member of KPFA and get discounts on those great KPFA-produced premiums, like CDs, DVDs, and KPFA T-shirts. Yes, we'd give you the shirt off our backs for your help right now during the fun drive. Plus, if members of your community group, labor union, or nonprofit come as a group to answer phones, your organization will be thanked on the air. So stop by now at the station for a few hours at 1929 MLK Junior Way, near the corner of University Avenue in Berkeley, until August 8th from 6 a.m. until 11 p.m. And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. The time is a minute past 3 p.m. Stay tuned next for Cover to Cover Open Book. Welcome to Cover to Cover, open book here on KPFA. My name is Vinnie Beecham. Today we have an interview conducted by Amelia Gonzalez uh, with uh, author Sherman Alexi. And we are offering his book, Flight, his newest book, Flight, for a $60 pledge. You can get that by calling 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. Amelia had the chance to interview Mr. Alexi when he was in the Bay Area this past spring, uh, part of the NorCal. Uh, he was giving a speech there, and uh, she had a chance to talk to him about not only his book, but also his uh life in the literary world, especially as a Native American, and discussing uh, various issues that are important not only to the Native American community, but communities uh, overall uh, within the progressive community. So here are uh, Amelia Gonzalez and Sherman Alexi uh, discussing his new book, Flight. My guest this afternoon is renowned author, poet, and filmmaker Sherman Alexie. Sherman Alexie started with writing poetry and wrote several books, including I Would Steal Horses and The Business of Fancy Dancing, which he later made into a film, which he directed. He also wrote the screenplay for Smoke Signals, which came out of his collection of short stories, The Lone Ranger and Tonto Fistfight in Heaven, and that was published by Atlantic Monthly Press in 1993. 
For this collection, along with several awards, he won a Penn Hemingway Award. He has recently written his 18th book and second novel, Flight. Sherman Alexie's first novel in 10 years is a hilarious and tragic portrait of an orphaned Indian boy who travels back and forth through time in a violent search for his true identity. His first novel since Indian Killer is a powerful, fast, and timely story of a troubled foster teenager, a boy who is not a legal Indian because he was never claimed by his father, who learns the true meaning of terror. Sherman Alexie's been in town this week to talk about his book as well as speak at the annual National Conference for Race and Ethnicity in American Higher Education, NCOR, to address the resurgence of racist incidents in higher education. We started by describing his latest book, Light. Well, the, the book is about a 15-year-old, half-Irish, half-Indian orphan kid who, after living in a series of foster homes, assaults his latest foster mother, ends up in jail where a, a sort of a, a illusory figure, uh, a white kid named Justice, convinces our lead character, whose name is nickname is Zitz, that in order to bring back his dead parents, dead and disappeared parents, that he has to go into a public place, a bank, and shoot people, that it's a contemporary ghost dance. And in the bank, he shoots people and then is himself shot and killed by a bank guard. But before he dies... Uh, he ends up jumping into the body of various people during various violent moments in American history. So you start with that very violent act that unfortunately is all too commonplace for our young folks. I wanted you to talk about that type of violence that you considered putting in that book because it is deliberate. Well, you know, it's not common, actually. Mass killings are not common in the United States. In fact, they're incredibly rare. Uh, and I always get a little worried when I've been talking about this book because it's in the aftermath of Virginia Tech uh, that it ends up, we end up talking about it like it is common. And it's not. We, let's remember that on that Monday, 300 million Americans led perfectly mundane lives, uh, that nothing out of the ordinary happened to them. So we need, we need to preface any conversation with that. But that said, uh, human history and American history is very violent, and, and our most able and active practitioners of violence are young males. So uh, it was important to me to write about that sort of violence in the fictional figure of Zitz, uh, a, a young American, a young Native American, and his turn toward violence. And some people have found it sort of distasteful or wonder why I'm writing about it. But, you know, we're in a war. And so, you know, my sons, as, they are there, are there, as they're coming of age in a time of war, are increasingly asking me questions about what it means. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that in terms of what is palatable sometimes for the page. Do you get a lot of criticism for writing about stuff that might not necessarily be popular or acceptable? Well, I, I think in this book in particular, one section is really to stir people, not necessarily because of the violence itself, but because of, of, of the kind of violence I talk about, in fact, maybe it's two sections. For instance, he drops into the body of a little kid at the Battle of Little Bighorn in the aftermath. Uh, and that battle was, a, 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 was, was an act of war. It was an oppressed group, Native Americans, fighting back against a colonizing force. And they won the battle that day. But at a certain point after the victory was won, the Native Americans there participated in incredible atrocities and mutilated and tortured and, and, and did things unimaginable to the bodies uh, and corpses of cavalry soldiers. So at some point during that day, a victory became a series of war crimes. 
And so I, I focus on that idea. When does victory become a war crime? Uh, when does a war become moral? Is a war ever moral? Is violence ever justified? And, and so, uh, you know, Zitz the character at one point says, how do you tell the difference between the good and the bad guys when they say the same things? So I took that idea and I dropped Zitz into the body of an FBI agent during the political activisms of the 1970s, a fictional version in Red River, Idaho, where he drops into the body of a white FBI agent who, along with another white FBI agent, collude with two Indian activists to assassinate another Native American political activist. And that stuff happened uh, uh, in the 70s in the United States on Pine Ridge. There are very famous... Uh, American Indian activists who actively colluded with the United States government to kill other Indians. Uh, we know who they are in the underground. We know what they did. It's certainly not common in public knowledge, but we know what they did. And so, uh, how do, how, how did they justify that in their head? How does the FBI justify their violence? How do political activism, you know, activists on the left and right justify their violence. And it's the same rhetoric over and over and over again, you know, by any means necessary. And again, how acceptable is it to write about that in terms of what you're talking about is that COINTELPRO period that actually affected much of the movement within the American Indian movement as well as the Black Panthers uh, back in the day. And I wondered, you know, a lot of times as the left, as a progressive institution that we are broadcasting over, there's a lot of times that we portray the, the FBI, the bad guys, and really don't look at the role that they played and that they obviously had they were successful in the infiltration they, they had al- they had allies in the far left have you gotten any flack for writing about that uh, i've gotten flack on your radio station when i did a live interview <laughs> so for saying these kind of things uh you know the notion that uh the far left and the far right in my mind you know wrap around and become the same people I wanted to go back to the book in terms of the other issue that you write about is the shame mm-hmm and I wanted you to to describe what what were the forces when you decided to develop the characters it's and having had the foster families that he did and being that epitome of the dislocated Indian and as well as the sits representing part of that shame figuratively and literally. Well, I mean, the book, the first sentence of the book is Call Me Zitz, which is a direct homage to Moby Dick, um, Melville's novel. And, you know, I did it partly to be funny, but also to, to point out how important, how epic a teenager's complexion is in his life, his physical appearance. It is as epic as the whale was to Ahab. So I wanted to make sure that people understood that, yes, this is an epic idea. Acne is epic for, for teenagers. Uh, and it was for me. I, you know, I had bad skin growing up. I still have bad skin. And, and, uh, so that he was physically marked, literally physically marked, uh, uh, by his experiences. And so his shame, his, uh, lack of self-worth, all of that had a physical manifestation. Uh, you know, I wanted that to be very clear. And, and, you know, his shame comes from a number of reasons. You know, he's an orphan. He's lost his parents. He's Irish and Indian and yet has received no cultural education in either 
uh, uh, either of those identities. Uh, you know, he's been in 21 foster homes. He's been unable to be successful at school or any other organized place. So, you know, his physical appearance, his educational levels, his family background, his dislocation, his disconnection, all of that combines, as he says, that he, you know, has 99 kinds of shame. And that at the end, he's ashamed of being ashamed. So it circles back in a, in a really self-destructive and destructive way. Mm-hmm. And yet you have some of his characters through his time travel and some of them that actually are unlikely characters. You have him be the FBI agent. You have him be, when you're talking about that battle, I mean, that was unlikely characters that are not easily defined in terms of being capable of doing heinous crimes. And as well as being able to love. Yeah, I mean, that's the notion of who we are as human beings. Uh, all too often, we, we get these really fundamental ideas of who humans are or what we're capable of. And, and the simple fact is, is that we're all sinners. We're all fragile and flawed and finite and capable of the greatest evils and the greatest goods. And uh, any good writer writes fully rounded characters. And, and any good political activist would know that as well. Uh, th- that we are incredibly flawed. And, and so uh, in writing a book about this and dropping zits into the bodies of these very different characters, I-, I wanted to provide him as a fictional character and my readers with this notion, this idea about everybody's forgivable, everybody's redeemable, and, and everybody's capable of great evil. Did you ever consider making zits in his time travel? I noticed that they were all men. You know, it's funny. <laughs> it never even occurred to me, uh, which which I don't know why. I, you know, probably because I'm a, I'm a guy. So I, I put him in the bodies of men. It never even occurred to me. And somebody had mentioned a TV show I loved, Quantum Leap, which was on in the you know early 90s, where the character would often drop the male, the male lead would often drop into women. And I, I always loved those episodes, but... They're always missing because it was broadcast television and there's things they couldn't do. They mm-hmm. missed the first thing any man would do if he found himself in the body of a woman. He would masturbate like crazy. <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, so I missed that opportunity for, I mean, imagine dropping a 15 year old boy. Right. Into the body of an adult woman. Exactly. What he would do. Uh, so, I, you know, I missed out on an incredible gender opportunity to explore the notion uh, of gender difference, to explore the notion of women's capability for evil, women's capability for good. So, you know, as a narrow-minded male, I blew it. Well, you know, I thought that right when he's the FBI agent yeah. and is in love with the with the wife and and is just like really relishing in that moment, I thought, oh my God, the next chapter is going to be a woman. <laughs> it, uh, I mean, the thing is, the thing is, the kiss right. should have transferred him. You know, the yeah. you know the kiss should have put him into the body of of the wife of an FBI agent, and the and you know who she knows her husband kills people for a living. Mm-hmm. You know, how does she deal with that? How does she assimilate all that information that her husband is a killer? You That's know, for right. good or bad reasons, he's a killer. Yeah, how, you how, make reference to that. Yeah, yeah, how does she deal with that? And and I blew it. I blew it. I choked. <laughs> okay, I choked. hey, there's a sequel. Yes. I did want to talk to you about your writing in general in terms of what um, I read Ten Little Indians a while back. And uh, I love Corliss, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> See, I've written, I've written great young women. Yeah, you have. <laughs> I, you, you definitely have. And I love her character. And I wanted to just touch a little bit about that because you do debunk 
the romantic notions that a lot of people have about Native American life or even the life on the res. And I wanted you to talk about that because that is very intentional in your writing. Well, you know, people forget, especially Natives, forget that reservation system was established as concentration camps. Reservations were created as places where Indians would go to die. Uh, and I don't think their original intent has changed. I think they still exist as places where Indians die, if not physically, certainly spiritually and emotionally. So my entire operating principle now of my life and my art is that Indians must get their asses off the res. So, you know, I wish I should wear a T-shirt that says, get your ass off the res, uh, you know, physically and metaphorically. Uh, so, uh, you know, Corliss, my character in that story, the search engine from 10 Little Indians, is somebody who's constantly searching for new things, new experiences, new ideas. Uh, she's an intellectual nomad. So uh, that's really what I'm encouraging in the Native American world among young people, among anybody, is, is to become an intellectual nomad. And you pursue that idea when you explore that in the search engine, when you have Harlan Atwater... Be, almost be trapped well he you actually say he's trapped because his writing uh, is not indian enough for indians and yet is so great for a bunch of white people and and have you ever felt like trapped as a a writer who happens to be native american i mean early on in my career i think i got pigeonholed a little more than i do now but but i've really blasted through all of those barriers and boundaries uh you know i get invited to the big events literary events the new yorker parties the granta things i get published in all the major venues uh uh i'm in the norton anthologies um best american short stories so there's no way in which i feel excluded anymore in the literary world because of my race uh and yet at the same time i'm also completely welcome and accepted in all sorts of indian communities uh you know i receive daily invitations to visit native communities and everywhere i go i meet native people from all over the world who are really into my books so i think i'm at a place now where i i'm accepted by the mainstream and by my subculture in in great ways uh the only people who don't like me these days are certain members of the left uh, because, once again, my politics don't match theirs, and I think they get disappointed. I think Native Americans are, are serious political mascots of the left, and, and I think when we behave in ways that don't match up to people's ideas of us as mascots... You mean like being human? Yeah. <laughs> pe people get really disappointed when, when, when an Indian might have contrary views to the left. But I did want to move back to one issue that you talked about, your message of getting... Uh, Native American folks out of the res. What's the reception that you get? By and large, it's positive because close to 70% of natives don't live on the res anymore anyway. Uh, but, but there is a certain traditional element that, that doesn't like me saying that. Uh, but I think by and large, when I say that, what it merely does is it encourages and confirms the beliefs of all sorts of people who are leaving and want to leave anyway. So I think really what I'm doing is 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 getting people's back uh, uh, and 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 uh, merely confirming what they already know. That's the voice of author, poet, and filmmaker Sherman Alexi, and we're talking about his latest book, Flight, published by Black Cat, on cover-to-cover -cover open book, Amamelia Gonzalez.
And I am Vinnie Beecham, and I'm here to present Flight to you. It can, it's a book. It's uh, the latest novel by Sherman Alexi, and it can be yours for a $60 pledge to KPFA. And you can get it by calling 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-HEY-KPFA-FLIGHT, $60 pledge. Uh, the interview was conducted by Amelia Gonzalez uh, when <clears throat> Sherman Alexi was in the Bay Area recently, um, this uh, past spring. And as you can hear in this interview, uh, Sherman Alexi, I dare to say, is fearless in the way that he has uh, really gone out and presented his views as a Native American, as a man. He acknowledges the limitations that he may have in his writing. Uh, when, they, when Amelia was speaking to him and, and uh, speaking about how the main character, Zitz, uh, was going into the bodies, uh, literally walking in the shoes of someone else and finding out uh, about those individuals, how he was only jumping into the uh, bodies of other men. And, and she called him on it, and he says, yes, I did uh, miss a tremendous opportunity to explore something new. He is fearless in the sense that he says what he he wants to say, and he's not afraid to say, this is my limitations. And uh, this fearlessness can be seen in the book Flight. It can be yours for a $60 pledge to KPFA by calling 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. We have a brief moment right now to ask you to support KPFA, to support what we're doing, uh, not only in the area of literature through the cover-to-cover shows uh, and also Act One and uh, during, uh, through our cultural shows like uh, Radio Chronicles, which will be uh, coming to you uh, this weekend, this Sunday at 6.30, but also through our news programs. I think that uh, KPFA is important to a lot of listeners. Uh, I don't know if uh, you have, if you are a regular listener to KPFA, you've been hearing uh, voices of actual listeners uh, calling in and telling us uh, what uh, KPFA means to them, what KPFA is in their lives. Uh, we know that it's only a fraction of the individuals that are out there, uh, but uh, these are people who find KPFA plays a, 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 a role in their lives, uh, be it large or small. And so if KPFA plays a role in your life and you find it important to K- for KPFA still to be here to bring you the diversity of voices, uh, topics, and subjects, uh, please uh, support KPFA by calling 1-800-439-5732 or 848 848- 5732 in the 510 area code. Uh, we are offering the book Flight by Sherman Alexi. Whether uh, you agree wholeheartedly uh, with what he has to say, or if you don't agree, it's uh, it's the freedom to be able to put out there uh, what is in your heart and how you believe, which is the the basis really of what's coming from KPFA. Um, uh, uh, it's the the freedom and the opportunity to to put it out there. Um, one of the things that I find really interesting about uh, the discussion that he 
had with Amelia and in the book is that he does explore universal emotions and themes, themes that are not necessarily just focused in on the Native American community. And when uh, he's talking about the the shame that the the protagonist has and the feeling of dislocation of dealing with different uh, adversities, and um, I think he says that uh, Zitz. Uh, realizes that there are 99 kinds of shame that the that he's dealing with in his life. I think that's something universal that we all, at one time, uh, what, be it uh, um, you know questions about our our mental abilities, uh, you know, uh, uh, physical appearance and all. I think that's something that's universal, um, and we all have to deal with it in our own ways. And so it's. Uh, a unique way of uh, dealing with the subject matter in the form of a novel. Um, so uh, you can find out, get this novel, Sherman, uh, uh, Sherman Alex, Alexi, $60 pledge to KPFA by calling 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. And if you just want to support KPFA, you can uh, uh, donate anything you want by donating $25 uh, during this uh, pledge drive period, you will become eligible to participate in this fall's uh, local station board elections, uh, either as a candidate or as a voting member, and you can uh, do that by calling 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. This is really uh, the last time, August 31st is the last time that you can become eligible to participate in the fall elections and you can do so by uh, uh, pledging a $25 pledge. You become a bona fide voting member of the KPFA family. 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. We are offering Flight, uh, the newest novel by Sherman Alexie, a Native American writer. Uh, it's about Zitz. Uh, the character is not Zitz, literally, but the character name is is a 15-year-old boy uh, who goes by the name of Zitz, where he uh, encounters um, a violent transformation, and in, during that period, he actually goes into uh, the body and souls of, of several individuals and really becomes these characters and finds out the whole idea that there is no absolute good, there is no absolute bad, there are all grays in between and that every person I think that uh, uh, this is what he is exploring uh, has a certain uh, balance within their lives on this and it was really interesting too this is his uh, fearlessness where he you know, actually says, yes, uh, people have criticized me um, uh, that uh, certain aspects of the left have been disappointed in what he has said and have not been afraid to uh, call him on it. And just for the fact that he is not afraid to uh, to bring that up shows a certain amount of fearlessness that he is not, you know, uh, making concessions to be liked by a particular uh, area of, uh, of the progressive uh, community that he says, 
literally he has to be who he has to be he uh even uh, goes and speaks about uh reservations and how uh literally how they were created uh, to be concentration camps for people to go to die literally and spiritually this is fearlessness where he is not going to edit himself or compromise his ideas or his uh, beliefs just to become popular and in his newest book flight he deals with this as well and flight uh, by Sherman Alexi can be yours for a $60 pledge by calling 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. We only have about a minute before we have to go to Free Speech Radio News, and so we're giving you this opportunity to support KPFA, to su- support uh, the literary programming that we bring to you Monday through Friday on Cover to Cover. Uh, the diversity of voices, uh, everyone from Denny Smithson, uh, to Jennifer Stone, uh, to Jack Foley, to Rich Walensky. KPFA brings these voices to you. 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. We also bring you <clears throat> the cultural aspects of, uh, the KPFA community with, uh, Radio Chronicles and, uh, we bring you the, even the liter, liter, the literature that it's very weird with Joe Frank on, on Sunday evenings. Uh, we actually have, uh, some special Joe Frank that's going to be coming to you this Sunday at 9 p.m. as well as, uh, from the KPFA archives, a look at the beat poets of San Francisco. This is what we can do for you uh, because we can reach back in an extensive archival uh, uh, library where we can bring all these things to you. You can't find them anywhere else. KPFA has been around for over 50 years and uh, for over 60 years and you know, literally, it's for, uh, people like you, our listeners, that have made it possible possible for us to be here. So we're asking you to call in 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. We're offering you Sherman and Lexi's newest book, Flight, for a $60 pledge. But if, uh, if uh, you are interested in just being a supporter of KPFA and everything that we do here, a $25 pledge will make you a bona fide voting member of KPFA. And a voting member means that you are able to participate in this uh, fall's uh, LSA.